Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there! I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode 11 planning a change build. Obviously, I messed up my numbering. If you've been listening along in order, I have two episode nines and no episode 10. But technology keeps me honest. So I noticed that when I posted last week. Oops. Anyway, we are definitely on episode 11. (laughs) And this one is inspired by a comment one of my friends made after listening to last week's episode about why change is hard and kind of putting change on a long timeline. The comment was this would be interesting to apply to our ongoing RPG character sheet or character stats and maybe look at it from the perspective of how do you plan out a change build since we don't exactly get to just start over in the middle of life and build a new character. We can't kill off the old one and just build a new one wholesale. It has to be done in stages. And obviously, there are some limitations to how much about ourselves we can actually change. I mean, that said, we are also capable of incredible transformations. But there are limitations to how much can happen in what time and you know, to some extent, what we're physically going to be able to do. Obviously, there's some scope of reality, but there's also probably more than some of us want to think about or want to admit. Because of course, if you think about it and admit that it in fact might be possible, ooh, then why aren't you doing it? So let's talk about that. If you have started thinking about it and you have decided, I've got some stuff I want to change, how, how do you actually plan that? How do you build that? How do you kind of make a considered strategic approach to enacting those changes in your life? And to kind of keep things fun and hopefully interesting, we're going to stick with that RPG character system. So basically, I'm going to make you do math. Um, but I'm not going to actually give you any of the (laughs) numerical values. You can figure that out for yourself. So then you get to keep it within the bounds of the math you know how to do. Isn't that fun? Look, you know, sorry, not sorry. Our math teachers told us that someday we would need this skill. And congratulations, you are at the day that you actually need to use math in your real life. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Here we are. You're welcome. Okay, so the first thing that you're going to do is assess where you are and then where you want to go and get a sense of how big the gap is between where you are and where you want to go. And for the purposes of gamifying this, we're going to express that in change points. Is it like a 20 change point gap? Is it a 2000 change point gap? I haven't actually come up with a system for how to quantify the change points. And I think this is one where maybe everybody would do it a little bit differently. And it's probably better if you find the 
system that works for you is one day one change point? Is one action one change point? Does it depend on how much energy it takes out of you on a physical or mental level? Like maybe some actions are one point and then some are worth 10. And that's just going to depend on how much you know, discipline it requires or how much resistance you have to doing it or something like that. So, you know, there's a lot of different variables that could be incorporated as you're thinking about how many change points this difference requires uh, um, in order for you to cross. If you're wanting to make a change, let's start by acknowledging the ways that you can earn change points and move yourself toward where you're trying to go. First, you get change points by starting something new. This is, this is more new in the sense of novel rather than shifting what you're already doing into something different. That's the second way is doing something differently than you have done it before. And the reason I'm differentiating between these two things is that when all you're doing is starting something new, it's actually a little easier than if you were trying to change what you were doing before because there's nothing you have to undo or relearn or like no habits of, of thought or action that you're having to work against. So in a way, starting something completely novel or, or doing something completely novel is actually a little easier than shifting something that you have been doing one way into doing it a new way. Yeah, so there's starting something new, there's kind of making a, a, a course correction and doing something differently, then there is deliberately building on a skill or set of experiences that you have already started. So this would be continuing something. This might be through learning theory, or it might be actually putting into practice techniques or tools that you have already learned or that you just learned or are learning by doing that sort of thing. And finally, there is stopping doing something that you had been doing, releasing something. This is an interesting one because sometimes you're going to get energy back from, from doing this. And then sometimes you're going to have to spend energy in order to do it. So what are some examples? If you have been trying to focus really hard on learning a new language and have been putting, you know, time into Duolingo every day or something. And you realize that you're just really at capacity and something needs to go. And you just, you know what, I'm not taking that that trip for another six months. I can come back to this. I can let it go for now. That might be a release that gets you energy back because it's just something you let go of and it eases your stress load. But if it is a habit that's really deeply entrenched, maybe it's like a coping mechanism, you know, say say you're wanting to quit smoking. Well, obviously, I think most of the people who have experienced trying to quit a habit like that, you know, one of our vices uh, can say that it actually takes a lot of energy to redirect your attention and not do the thing, to find other coping mechanisms to replace it with or, you know, to resist the temptation. So you know, releasing can sometimes be an immediate energy boost and give you more energy to distribute toward change points. And sometimes it's going to be the change point energy cost itself. So it just depends. 
So I'm kind of, I guess, using the term change point, energy point interchangeably. That's not quite true. It's more like there is a transitive property. The energy that you use toward one of those actions of change, it's a one-to-one ratio. So like one energy point equals one change point, but you do have to use your energy toward one of those four processes of making a change in order for it to count as a change point as opposed to just an energy expenditure. And uh, we haven't had a chance really to talk about kind of how to assess our actual basic character, you know, like what levels of energy we have coming in and what boosts our energy and things like that. That'll be a discussion we have to have after I get a couple other things in place in terms of episodes. (laughs) But just broadly speaking, you know, you have so much energy in a day. And there's, there's going to be various types of energy and energetic expenses that you have to consider. There's the energy of focus and attention. There's the energy of having discipline, making good decisions. There's an energy in having faith in what you're doing, whether this is, you know, an idea, a theory, a process. There's the energy of motivation There is kind of a physical time energy, a physical energy in the sense of what does it cost our body to either perform a physical action like a task or to perform any of the mental, cognitive, emotional labor required for any of the above or for the integration of what we've learned. So then there's also kind of a recovery time for our physical body and our psyche Uh, recovering from the task and what we expended to do it and or doing the psychological integration of what we learned when we did that task or put energy toward one of those change actions to convert it from pure energy into change energy like or pure energy points into change points. So that's kind of a high level for some of the energy factors. We will come back to this but There are some self-awareness pieces that I think you'd probably benefit from having in place before we go any further into how to decide what combination of energy uses it makes sense for you to put toward your change process. Which types of energy does it make the most sense for you where you are now in your life right now to put toward change points and in what kind of combination? So self-awareness stuff. First of all, what is your learning style? If you're making a change, obviously, this is doing something differently than you have done it before, which means you're going to have to learn, relearn, um, lock in 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 a habit sense stuff that you maybe know but haven't really applied, you know, all that. So clearly, there's a big learning process involved. So how do you learn? Are you a theory first person or are you someone who has to be hands on and then after you've experienced it, the theory can come in and make sense of it or or link aspects of it together? Do you tend to experiment and like stumble around figuring it out for yourself? Is that your best process or do you like to look at precedents and see how other people have done it and kind of copy their method? Do you tend to have in the moment apprehension of what you're doing? 
Or is it something where you do it and you maybe don't really understand, but then you go home and you sleep on it and think about it and the next morning you wake up and like you get it, it's clicked. So, are, you know, are you kind of an in the moment processor or a post processor? Do you need to have the whole process in mind in order to understand or even make yourself perform any of the parts? Or do you really thrive with a step-by-step approach and having the whole picture at once would make you kind of overwhelmed? Are you an audio learner, a visual learner, a combination where it's audio-visual? Or are you like a kinesthetic learner? Are you someone who learns best by multiple repetitions Or do you kind of learn better if you are contrasting one thing with another thing so that you can kind of feel the difference between them as opposed to like a maybe a more repetitive learning style where you want to lock in one thing before you bring in a second one? None of these aspects of learning, none of these learning styles are better or worse than another. It's just traits, but it's good to be aware of, of what your best methods are, so that you're not kind of burning extra energy trying to learn in a way that is not your kind of natural best suited process. So how can we make learning as energetically efficient as possible? Well, use your learning style, because you're an adult. And this is learning for you. This is making a change for yourself. So do it the way that makes the most sense for you. There is no test on this. And that's kind of a segue into the next question, which is what is motivating you toward change? Some aspects of this that you probably should consider. Are you trying to approach something new or are you trying to avoid something? Like what's the the reason that you're wanting to make this change just because you feel called to it or because you fear the consequences if you don't? Again, neither is necessarily better or worse. It's just understanding where your motivation's coming from. Is it something where there's an external reward or punishment that you're moving toward and that you're hoping to receive? Or is it motivated like from a deeply internal kind of place, like you're trying to live out a value or an identity? Is the change that you're wanting to make the specific thing that you need to change? Or is it more that you have a general desire to change and this specific thing is a pathway to that or it supports a larger change? That kind of will play into how to maintain your motivation. So if you know where your motivation comes from, both, you know, approach avoid and then internal or external, and is it for this specific thing? Like, is this the end goal or is this just a piece to the larger whole? Um, that's going to be helpful for you to keep in mind as you're trying to sustain your motivation. Other questions to ask are what helps you stay focused and motivated? Is it stuff like seeing progress? Is it getting rewards like stickers and, you know, certificates? Is it having social or relational affirmation and feedback from the people around you? Like, do you need an accountability partner? That sort of thing. And finally, uh, the last part of the self-awareness pieces that you need to consider is whether you have an identity attached to what it is you're seeking to change or like an identity piece that might be getting in the way of you changing, 
or perhaps that could really help you change. So as an example, and I'm, I might try and extend this one through the whole rest of the podcast. We'll see how, how long it takes me to get bored with it. But let's say as, as an example <laughs> that you want to get physically stronger or maybe in better shape. If you have an identity piece like, oh, but I'm a nerd, not a jock, then you might actually not be very interested in engaging your physical body in a way that kind of feels at odds with that identity. Or if you have history of being clumsy, you might have an identity piece like, oh, man, I'm kind of klutzy and physical activity is pretty dangerous for me. I tend to trip on stairs and collect random bruises all, all the time because I walk into walls. This might be dangerous. You know, if that's going on, then you might have some resistance to actually doing the work to get stronger or to be consistent in using your physical body. And a, a more general identity thing that might be going on is if you have uh, something that, that makes you either more resistant to change in general or embracing of change in general. What's your relationship to surprises, for example? Like an I hate surprises person might not be as open to change because, you know, change is something different. It's something new. You might not know what it's going to bring. And I don't like those surprises. Somebody who loves surprises possibly more open to change because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm I'm changing something and I don't know what's going to happen. Woo, <laughs> exciting. You know, you might think back on where you had landed on your personal growth alignment chart. Are you in a growth avoiding space right now? Or are you in a growth allowing space? And then what's your specifically more your relationship to, to the control chaos edges? You know, if you're really in a controlled state of mind, then it might be harder for you to want to grow unless you are very clear on what's going to happen and, you know, how it's going to affect you. I will simply acknowledge here that if you have an identity or one of your internal beliefs or internal narratives, your stories, that is going to get in the way of you making a change that you might have to shift that point before you can actually effectively make any changes. And I kind of just point this out so that you can be honest with yourself when you're answering the question of how attached you are to the thing that you're trying to change or whether you have like a strong identity piece wrapped up in it. And I, I will come back to this notion of identity and how you can work with your identity stories to make a change or make a more effective change. But let's kind of go back to the top. So we've assessed now for learning style, motivation system, and identity. We have measured the gap between where we are and where we are trying to go. And so we have some sense of the amount of energy that is going to be required to make that change. Having done that, then let's assess how to actually build that change into your life. How do you make a plan for a change? This is where our energy point factors come in. So all the different types of energy that, you know, I went over before, focus and attention, discipline and good decisions, faith, motivation, time, physical energy, mental energy, recovery energy for both body and mind. 
those all come with different costs and benefits that are basically going to be different for each individual person. Some people are going to have a higher capacity for discipline, and some people are going to have a higher capacity for faith, and that's just how we're built. We have innate qualities to our psychological expression in the world, and then we also have a lot of learned and conditioned qualities. So you're, any, any given individual is going to have a different relationship with how much energy they have for any of those categories or how costly it feels to expend energy in any of those categories. And the basic question that I want to try and get at, I don't know if I'll be able to give you a satisfying answer or just kind of a framework that you can think about on your own, is how can you find the places where you have energy to spare or where you can easily make energy to put toward a change, what is the most efficient configuration of energy for change in your life as it is now? There are two qualifiers to what I mean by efficient. So first, and this is kind of our our fundamental axiom, does it actually work? This is always the first yes or no that we need to establish before it's even worth going further. Is the change going to work? Are you actually able to put in the time and energy and effort toward this change? The second is what way of approaching this change will get you either further faster or further at less energetic cost? And this is kind of going back to the the three variables I was talking about last time, where you have, you know, change, time, and energy or effort. Which Which ones are you going to preference? And because certain aspects of life are in fact bound by Euclidean space-time, let's talk about first establishing how much time you have to put toward the change. For example, do you have a deadline for making this change? And how much time do you have per day or per week to spend on this change? Or maybe how much would you want to spend on this making this change? And then do you have the time in your life as it is right now that you can just do that? Or do you have to do some rearranging in order to find the time to make the change in the way that you want to make it? What might be affected if you put more focus on this change, which means less focus on something else? As an example here... If you are really focused on building up your strength and using your body more, are you going to have less focus to put toward your work or your family? You know, is that the right trade-off? Just think about what might be affected. Can you identify things that you can easily like kind of let go of or just let slide for a while in order to have more focus on the change you want to make? Or is there a way that you can combine letting go of a bad habit or vice with putting time and focus on the change? Like that's going to be a really high leverage point because it's two birds with one stone. It's like, okay, well, I've been wanting to cut down my screen time already and I've been wanting to get stronger. Okay, leverage point. Let's stop binging on Netflix and go take a walk every night or go do a workout or go to the gym, you know, whatever makes sense, whatever you're doing yourself to <laughs> to get stronger, whether it's going to a class, the yoga studio or Pilates or 
um, bodybuilding or, you know, CrossFit or whatever, uh, or if it's just doing it on your own or with a friend, you know, that might be another leverage point. I've been wanting to, to spend more time with my friends. Okay, do I have a friend that would do this with me? So that's, that's a, a place where you can maybe make two changes in one, and then neither of them feels so distressing. Like you're not losing your time with Netflix, you're gaining time with a friend, or you're not losing, you know, your downtime with Netflix, you're gaining strength in your body. Moving on to our next point, what kind of discipline do you need to have in your decision making around this change? Like what is this change going to require of you? And do you have enough good decisions in your day to just start making good decisions around this change without sacrificing good choices in another part of your life. Maybe you can make a good decision to go work out, but then you come home and eat an entire pizza. Like that's probably not <laughs> in, in the long run benefiting you to have traded good choice in how you were eating and preparing food for a good choice in working out. One thing that might be a leverage point here, can you find ways to systematize your good choices in order to free up some of the energy you have to actively choose? This might be something like if you are currently having to actively choose to fuel your body with healthy foods, a way to systematize this is when you go grocery shopping for the week, only buy the healthy foods. Don't keep junk around. Don't keep snacks around. At that point, then there's a barrier to eating something that isn't healthy. And that kind of makes it easier to just eat the healthy thing rather than having to consciously, deliberately make a good choice to pick the healthy thing in your in your refrigerator rather than the unhealthy thing. So that's kind of a way to offload the decision-making energy that you have to make to maintain your good choices in other places while you're putting good decision-making toward making this change. Or, you know, if there's a way to systematize the change that you're trying to make, obviously this could also be an option. I'm not sure how to systematize making the good choice to show up and do your workout every day. If you figure it out, please, by all means, let me know. But you get the idea. <laughs> so uh, moving on, how much faith do you have in the process? Do you really believe in the method that you're using to create this change? Do you really believe that change is possible? Or are you constantly having to put emotional energy or cognitive energy into convincing yourself that it will work if you stick with it and that therefore it will be worth it? If you find that you are continually having to put energy into maintaining your faith in this choice or this system or you know the method that you've chosen uh, to make a change, is there a way to actually get yourself to believe it more so that you don't have to keep putting energy into reassuring yourself that it's going to work? This actually somewhat ties into our motivation, you know, because uh, one of the things that fuels motivation is seeing yourself succeeding. You know, the longer you stick with it and the more you start to see results, then it actually eases off how much faith you have to have in what you're doing because you're you're seeing the change, you're seeing the results. Uh, so you're no longer operating on faith. Now you're kind of operating on a means-tested set of protocols. Uh, looking at your motivation. So the first question here is 
How much do you want the outcome? How much do you want the change? That is going to very directly affect how much energy you have for this change in the first place. So taking your motivation style into account and when you when you look at how much you want the outcome, are there ways that you can streamline your decision making or kind of again put in that put into place a system to make kind of pre-make the decision while your motivation is high at the beginning of this change process so that that way you kind of set yourself up for success you're giving yourself a chance to keep going even if your motivation starts to flag a little bit later are there ways that you can ask for support from people in your life whether this is encouragement or kind of giving you positive affirmations or even accountability if you have a friend that can that you can check in with and say, hey, I worked out today. And they can say, high five, great job. Or I didn't work out today. And they're like, hey, what happened? You know, was that actually a good decision? Or was that you falling back into a bad pattern? That might be helpful. Or maybe you can set up little rewards for yourself, uh, something that you can do along the way, whether that's putting, you know, $5 toward a particular purchase or a trip or something like that. Or maybe it's getting yourself a little treat. Even, Even things like stickers and writing yourself motivational notes can be really helpful. Like, hey, champ, you got this. Because you know what? You do. You do got this. All right, so I, I already touched on this a little bit when I was talking about learning styles, but again, how can you align what you're doing, what you're trying to change to your learning style so that you're using your time as effectively as possible and so that you might actually enjoy the change? A lot of people will find that they have intrinsic motivation toward learning and novelty if they're approaching it in the right way. And that can actually make it just innately rewarding. Like you get energy for engaging in this change that you were already wanting to make. How cool is that? You can also think about how you might align your identity to the change. This can come in with learning styles. You know, if you're kind of saying, oh, I'm, I'm really someone who learns by doing, then if making the change is something that you're that another part of your identity might be resistant toward, you can sneak it in by saying, "Oh, remember how I'm someone who learns by doing? Well, I'm doing this thing, so look at me. I'm I'm learning by doing." And so you're kind of leaning into a part of your identity that supports the change you're making as opposed to letting the part of your identity that wants to resist the change, "Oh, but I'm a clumsy nerd, not a jock," get in the way. Another way to to think about it might be, well, I'm not changing X, I'm just doubling down on Y. It might sound silly to make these little reframes, but honestly, they make such a difference. Like even if it's just a 5% reduction in resistance to making the change, there are going to be days when that might be the difference between making that change or not making that change that day. And as we know, what creates a sustainable change is consistency over time. So just saying, sometimes that reducing that friction just a little bit, if you do it in five or 10 places, can actually add up to a huge difference in resistance reduction. In terms of your physical energy, uh, I'm going to talk about physical energy, referring both to the body's energy for tasks and the mind's energy for kind of mental load, cognitive load. 
here are some things to consider. Did you have extra energy going into the change or were you kind of already pushing yourself to the limit or even beyond in terms of the energy you have and the energy you are expending to keep your life rolling? And if you didn't have extra energy, as I'm assuming most people don't, or you would have already been changing, right? Um, <laughs> it's kind of what the math says there. Like if, if I had the energy for it, I'd already be doing it. But if you did, especially if you feel like you don't have extra energy in your life or your schedule, is there anything that you can let go of in order to get that energy? Or is there maybe something that you have to start doing first to have more energy? For example, are you taking proper care of your body? Do you give it adequate and nutritious food? Do you give it enough water? Do you get enough rest? Do you have enough downtime so that your nervous system can get out of any activation or stress responses and actually get into the healing, self-soothing, parasympathetic state? It might be that you have some work to do before you can really make an active change. It's like, oh, no, I need to change these other things first. There's maybe also a way to make things do double duty. Can you incorporate anything that you need for your energetic or emotional balance into the change? Something that makes it fun so that you feel motivated and wanting to make the change because it's now tied to one of your hobbies or a leisure activity or relationships. You know, an example might be if you really enjoy listening to music or podcasts, maybe you can do that while you're working out. So then you're kind of taking something that you already like to do, and you're then now doing this thing you're trying to change alongside it. Or I already mentioned that you could maybe meet up with a friend and, and do workouts together. Okay, well, then that's taking time with your friend and using it to serve this change purpose, but it's also fulfilling your needs for your relationships and it's supporting that specific relationship with your friend as well as supporting you psychologically for getting some of your emotional and social needs met. Another aspect to consider is that if you're feeling bored or restless or forcing yourself to be disciplined around doing the task, Anything you can do to make it more enjoyable is going to lessen the amount of energy it costs you to do the task, to, to make this change, because you're not going to have to be trying so hard to keep yourself focused on it. You know, kind of another energy reduction method can be linking the change task to something that's already in your cognitive load. So, you know, say you want to add a workout three days a week uh, on your way home from work. So how do you incorporate into your morning routine, making sure that you have your gym bag and then just stopping at that gym that you always pass on your way home anyhow. So it's not out of your way. It's not really changing your commute home. It's just that you add this stop and do this thing. So that might be some ways to kind of, again, reduce the cognitive load of having to remember, oh, I need to go to the gym and it's going to be a 20 minute drive to get there. And that makes it an extra task and an extra out of the way thing as opposed to something that, oh, I could just flow this into what I'm already doing. And finally, are you making the space in your life to integrate the change? Are you taking the time to check in and see whether the change is working? 
remember your initial timeline that you kind of laid out at the start of this process. It's not going to be an overnight change. You're not going to decide once uh, that I'm going to do this differently now and then suddenly you do it differently every time. It's going to take you at least a few weeks to recondition yourself to defaulting into making that good choice to where it's not even a choice. It's just what you do. So, you know, integration time might be keeping track of what you do toward your change so that you have that record of the good choices you're making, the time and energy you've put toward it. Again, counting up your change points to see how far have I gotten. Or maybe you make a point to, okay, once a week, I'm going to check in with myself and see how I'm feeling about this. You know, does it still feel approachable? Does it feel like I'm doing enough? You want to have some check-ins to see whether your strategy is working. So it's good to have evaluation points that are far enough into your attempts to change that you should be seeing some results, but not so far that if it's an ineffective approach that you've been spinning wheels for like weeks or months. When we see progress, it fuels our motivation. And when we see ourselves consistently showing up for something, that can also fuel our motivation. It feels like, hey, I'm actually committing to this. I'm embodying the commitment that I made to this process. And when we can set up our life so that sticking with the change is easier than going back, that can sustain our momentum, even if our motivation starts to fail or, you know, something else is happening and we don't have the energy that we did initially toward making the change. Creating an effective change build is really about removing the friction points and adding to momentum that already exists. How can you expend the fewest energy points for the maximum change points <laughs> in order to get from where you are to where you want to go? What plan makes you want to say yes to doing something differently? And above all, what actions would you actually take toward your desired change? Because the small change you actually make is always better than the big change that you don't. I hope the RPG character change point system kind of made sense. Uh, I do realize, yeah, I, I kept it abstract. But again, it's because what I consider to be a one point effort, you know, might be different from what you consider to be a one point effort. Like maybe my one point on learning a, a new theory is a 10 points for you. So just think about these different factors and the different aspects of making a change and figure out for yourself a good formulation. Like where are the places that I can easily convert energy points to more change points? So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. And listen, if you want to make a change and you're not sure how to go about it or how to figure out the math on this, set up an exploration call with me. We can talk about it. We can talk about getting you to leverage my brain and my ability to handle a lot of variables and math and strategy all at once on your behalf. You can email me desk at thepatternbreaker.com or go to my website. There's a contact form and reach out to me there. If you want to know more about my work, 
just generally, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com or follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for this week? 